You know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in France? No. Tell him, Vincent. Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. You know why they call it that? Uh, because of the metric system? Check out the big brain on bread. Searching for the unusual, the obscure, the forgotten treasures hidden deep within streaming media. This is the Deep Dive Podcast. Plane in the sun! Get below! Look out! Get below! Dive the boat! Dive the boat! Take it down to 150 feet, steer course 090. Continue to dive. Hello, divers! Welcome to the Deep Dive Podcast, a never-ending quest to find the best and sometimes worst content <laughs> hiding in your streaming media libraries. I'm Tom Feeney, writer for Wankshop Movie Magazine, new issue available now. Look for it on Amazon.com. And with me, as always, is my incomparable co-host... The Mandalorian. That's right. <laughs> Hashtag don't sue us. Hashtag please don't sue us. It would be Disney, wouldn't it? It would be, yeah. yes. It would be Disney. Yeah. Or their subsidiary Lucasfilm. <laughs> That blows my mind every it single does. time. I just heard something. I read something today that kind of blew my mind, too. Because recently Disney purchased the assets of 20th Century Fox. Oh, like okay. They purchased their movies and stuff and okay. TV shows. And they just announced that henceforth they are removing the name Fox from all of these properties. So, in other words, it's just going to be uh, 20th or 21st century pictures. Huh. Why is that? Because apparently uh, they believe that the whole Fox thing is too much associated with Rupert Murdoch and Fox News and all ah. that stuff. So now they're just removing that. And Honestly, so I'm in, not upset about it. Yeah, I mean, instead of 20th Century Fox, it's 20th Century Pictures. And they're also going to have a different subsidiary called Searchlight, which they've had before. <laughs> right, but yeah. yeah, so they're keeping those. Oh, interesting. But yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of a cool, uh, a cool little um, tidbit. Yeah, exactly, tidbit. exactly. So, first of the year. Oh, it's yeah. brand new year, twenty twenty. Yeah, it's twenty twenty. That's right, it's twenty twenty. Yeah, it's it's been a good what four weeks so far, three weeks. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, I think it's okay. Yeah. yeah, not too bad. Had a good holiday season. Yeah, it was nice. We yeah, got out yeah. that New Year's episode, which was really fun. Yes, that was fun. <laughs> um, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, we've got so much planned, too, for coming up. I mean, this this year is just going to be wonderful, I think. We've got some new equipment, which is really cool. Yes, we do. Hopefully, you can hear the yeah. difference. <laughs> Thank you, Road. Hashtag, be please sponsor us. Yes, because in a podcast, hearing is believing. <laughs> or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. So, I was thinking, you know, with it being our first episode, maybe we should roll out some, some cool new features, like maybe having guests on the show. Yeah, we've experimented with that. Yeah. But uh, I think now, because we've upgraded a little bit, uh, we'll have uh, more opportunity to have guests on. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to more actively try to pursue guests yeah. for the show. People that, you know, hopefully will be uh, somewhat, you know, related to the topic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that's something we would like to do. Because, yeah. frankly, I know that Manda is sick of hearing my voice and would like to talk to other people. <laughs> which I can totally understand. Uh, 
but it would be nice to have you know some uh, some experts or people that you know have some interesting things to talk about. Yeah, yeah, and you know you don't have to actually be dragged down to our studio. You can now call in. Yes, we now have that capability. Capability that other podcasts have had for years. <laughs> uh, but yeah, now we're just uh, we're just kind of getting on board. So now that we yeah. have this uh, ability, we want to exploit it to its fullest potential. 100%. So if you happen to be interested, or you know someone who could be interested, mm-hmm. or you have some suggestions for other podcasts that maybe want some guests, you can email us at the deep dive podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget, we're always available on Instagram, on Twitter, and Facebook. But I think Gmail will be a good way to go. Yeah. I'll respond to it. Mostly. Exactly. So if you're interested in potentially being a guest on our show, just remember that the pay is very low. <laughs> what, there's pay? No, that's what I mean by very low. Oh, oh, okay. As in none. As in none. Yes. Just the satisfaction on being of being on a podcast with at least a dozen listeners. Um, <laughs> at least. I mean, I think it's fair to say, though. I mean, we rounded out the last year almost at 5,000 downloads. Yeah. And I'm pretty darn proud of Me that. Me too. You know, that's awesome. Good job. Yeah, you too. Thanks. I, you know, I we've been doing this for a little over a year. Yeah, and sometimes you know you kind of feel like you're not to uh, not to go back to our original premise uh, in a bubble. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you, Ryan, for pointing out how much that was not a good idea. Yeah, that was a little hey, over the top. You live and you learn, right? You or know, it was on the bottom. Remember, because bottom of the ocean. Oh yeah. yes, yes, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, it was a little too MST three K on there, but uh, <laughs> yeah. We weren't fooling anybody with that one. Uh, uh, but know. yeah, so, you know, we, we kind of want to open it up a little bit. Yeah. You know, we're trying really some awesome. different things. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to have people on who really just have an interest in specific genres. I mean, we're always looking for new things. And you, as you've seen it, well, not seen, but as you've heard, the spectrum is ever growing, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So, like you could run the gamut and still not get to 10% of everything that's out there. Definitely. And while between Manda and myself, we have a fairly decent... Uh, you know, knowledge and repertoire <laughs> when it comes to, you know, media and stuff like that. Uh, we welcome mm-hmm. differing opinions and people with other interests and tastes uh, than ourselves. We're always, you know, yep. looking for that. 100%. So please do contact us. We'd yeah. love to hear from you. Absolutely. And, you know, if we think you're, you know, halfway intelligent and well-spoken, <laughs> you, you can be on our show. Yeah. 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 Sort yeah. of. The Deep Dive Podcast at gmail.com. We really look forward to hearing from you. That's right. Order now. Wait, no, that's a different. <laughs> For three easy payments of nine ninety five plus yeah. shipping and handling. Yeah, that's a different script. Let me just change it. Hold on a second. Yeah. All right, here we go. I think I'm on track now. Okay, okay. So our topic this week, yes, is something that plays an important part in all of our lives. Oxygen. No. Water. Uh, that's close, sort of. Um, well, in fact, okay, it's yeah. something it's something other than oxygen that also sustains our lives. Yep, yep. And of course, no, 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 no. That's a lie. Anyway, um, yeah, love is a lie. We all know. Come on, let's just talk about that. We'll save that for the Valentine's Day show. Oh, that's going to be good. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm going to make you pick. Uh, I'm going to make you watch all the Hallmark movies. Um, no. Yeah. No, I'm talking about food. Food. Mm-hmm. Mm. Love me some food. Yes. Now, whether or not you're a carnivore, you're a vegetarian, a vegan, you do keto, you're gluten-free, lactose intolerant, or just your average everyday cannibal, food is something that, no pun intended, consumes a large part of our existence. What to eat, when to eat, where to eat, questions we answer every single day. This is truth. 
So, Amanda, do you have any kind of like special favorite foods mm. or anything that you really like? I do have special favorite foods. I am very partial to sweets. I've got a huge sweet tooth. So I could I could probably live on apple pie for at least a couple of days. Um, but I think my favorite food would probably be, yeah, eggplant parm. Eggplant parm. That's my favorite. That is interesting. That is very interesting because <laughs> I would probably say that mine is chicken parm. Ooh. Parm twins. Parm twins. Wonder Parm powers activate. Uh, form of linguine. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. Uh, I I don't know if you do this, but I do this. So I have what I call the chicken parm test. Now, no, this is I, I'm totally serious about this. This is this is this is something I do. Crazy me. So every time. I go to a new Italian restaurant or an Ita Italian restaurant I have not been to before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always, always, always order the chicken parm as my first dish at that place because the way I see it, if they can't get that right, right, that's it. I'm not bothering with it. Yeah. yeah. So that's my test. If they can do a good chicken parm, okay, great. Okay, I'll try other things. Uh, but that's my go-to, my sort of test to see if an Italian restaurant is worth it now there are i do the same thing with other types of food as well so you know whatever cuisine they have i'll say okay this is my test dish if they don't if they fail at this then i'm not okay, going to come Gordon back ramsey over here no 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 <laughs> but I, you know i mean i think it's reasonable to assume yeah that if you're touting a particular kind of cuisine that you should be able to get one of its most basic dishes sure done properly right sure. yeah and that's just that's just the kind of hairpin i am uh so yeah and i mean you know ever since i was a kid that was like chicken parm was my my go-to yeah if you had chicken parm that's it i'm done i'm good um so oh, do you remember those like what were they used to be called uh encore oh the frozen dinners yeah and they yeah. had those weird like like round shaped chicken patties yes i do remember and those. then you would put them in the the oven and then the sauce would get really hard and crack because it wasn't enough sauce or sometimes there's yeah. too much sauce yeah yeah and yeah. or you got like the it's like this giant tray you could get like the family size yes which was like 20 pounds <laughs> oh my god you know it would like, like feed a family of eight and then Russell Stouffer came along and we were like, not Russell Stouffer, Stouffer's Meals, right? Stouffer's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Stouffer's came along. Russell we Stouffer's like, had god-awful candy. Yeah, oh, that's not even candy. Ugh. But they came along and they were like, we can do you one better. Here's the family-sized macaroni and cheese with eight different types of cheese in it. Right, eight different times, eight different types of cheese. Two or three of them I don't think were actually cheese. I mean, but what is they, actually you know, cheese, you know, these days? You they, know? they said it, but, you know, <laughs> you're better off eating the box. But that's a good idea, though, to have, like, a, um, a standard of yeah. going to like these different places because yeah. you don't want to spend money expecting something's going to be great and then turns out you know what this one thing was okay but everything else not worth it yeah and i think that's i think that's reasonable to assume yeah you know and then so okay my second test <laughs> if i go back if the chicken parm's good yeah and i go back next it's the specials okay so the way i think about it a restaurant that has specials, right? Yeah. I look, they openly write them on the board or whatever. They have a little extra menu. My thoughts about specials run in two different directions. Number one, it's something the chef is interested in trying out. Sure. It's like, okay, I'm going to branch out. I'm going to do something. I think it sounds good. Hope people like it. <laughs> That's one. Right. Or they're trying to get rid of something. Oh, okay. Like, oh, we ordered too much Branzini. You're, let's, uh, you're the cynical kind of Let's do the Branzini franchise and see if people will eat that. <laughs> because we're trying to get rid of it. 
So you got to be careful with the specials. But I, I always like, you know, I always like looking at that and seeing, and a lot of times I'll pick something off the specials menu because I figure, oh. well, maybe, maybe this, maybe this might be good. Maybe they're trying to do something new. Maybe the chef is paying extra attention to it because it's a special. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So, but you know, yeah. I'm weird like that. What can I say? <laughs> As I'm sure you already know. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Food pick. What do you got for us? Well, I got one that I was having a hard time finding. As soon as we, we decided to do this topic, I was like, all right, I, I got to find this. Because um, I remember watching it probably, ooh, maybe five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was on Netflix. It did the rounds. And it was one of the first documentaries that actually stayed past the normal, um, you know, cycle. Like, usually they're on there for what? Like, maybe three months, yeah. six months. This one was on there for a good two years solid. Um, so, let me start off by asking. When you go to a restaurant, right, and you're with your family and you're eating dinner and all that stuff, what the kind of emotions does that evoke for you? Um, you mean as far as? Well, I don't know. I mean, like, just go, do you have, just, when you go to a restaurant, do you feel anything like, like, oh man, this reminds me of that. So it's, I'm filled with joy or I mean, like. Besides crippling anxiety? <laughs> I feel you there. But no, I mean, some folks can, can, um, restaurants can be hubs for like memories in certain times in life. For, for example, I always think back to like this one meal that my husband and I shared, uh, at a place called Garfunkel's, mm-hmm. which I believe was a franchise initially owned by Art Garfunkel oh. and it was in London and, and the, the food wasn't that great right like it was it was just like okay whatever it was like yeah. English take on t- kind of Italian food um, but the the memories are there you know like getting on the train and being late and then the rain starting and then having a great conversation so the, the restaurant itself is where the memories come from the food don't necessarily uh, you know make the cut but the but the idea what I'm getting at is that restaurants aren't just about the food right it's about the people behind the lines mm-hmm. who are cooking them yep. the owners the waitresses the hostesses like even the people who supply the the greens and the produce as yeah. a when I was young and my first kind of jobs were in the food industry like I worked in a hospital in the kitchen and I worked in um like I actually helped to open up, not me personally, but a friend was opening up a restaurant and I helped work there. And I, I remember the process of trying to order produce from a specific uh, vendor mm. and then, you know, coming in, checking it, inspecting it, getting ready for this recipe. And then, you know, having people come in and test our quote unquote yeah. specials. Yeah. So basically the, that is what ran through this docuseries. My documentary is called Spinning Plates. Oh, it's from 2012. Never heard of it. 2012-2013. Um, it actually is pretty critically acclaimed. It won it won a lot of Sundance Film Awards wow. and some other French thing awards, which makes sense because the French people apparently knew food. But um, <clears throat> it is a documentary, and it centers around three restaurants. Now, three different types of restaurants, three different types of family and people. Now, each one of them explores the. I don't want to say hardships, but like the challenges and the the goals and the reasons why people start restaurants. You know, the first one um, is in Chicago, right? And it was named like one of the best restaurants in North America, the seventh best restaurant in, you know, um, some whatever guide, tour guide or whatever. Um, and the chef slash owner was once named like the golden boy of cooking, like coming up. He's wow. really, really popular. Um, but then, you know, something happens and he has to sort of consider, is this the way I want my life to go? Is the restaurant going to be everything I want it to be? And he has to face certain hardships in his life. And it's about how he runs a restaurant, how he makes food. Um, during this process, right? Then you cut to like another one where it's a small family-owned restaurant, which I love, by the way. Yeah. Um, and it's been around since the 1800s. It was actually like a stagecoach 
um, restaurant, which is amazing. Really? Because you, you kind of get this idea that like people are in their stagecoaches and their mules are tagging them along. And, and then like, let's stop for some good old country fried steak or whatever they did. Grub. <laughs> there you go. The, the old grub hub. The old grub hub. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, where I pay you like in two shillings in a wheat wheat sack or whatever. But anyways, th- th- then this family has um, another sort of like tragedy where, uh, I don't, I'm not going to necessarily spoil it, but basically the restaurant burns down, right? And so the community wow. comes together to help build this like iconic legend, this like town thing that everyone gathers at. They check in. It's how everybody knows everybody's okay. It's how they start their day. They may just sit across the bar and look at each other, but everybody knows where everybody is. When it first started, the guys coming up in the morning, we had five to six to seven guys. Now we have anywhere from six to 10 people sometimes. Tomorrow on Saturday mornings, we might have 20 to 25 people here. When you look out there, sometimes it's like, okay, I think everybody in Baltimore right now is here, except maybe three people. But yeah, it is more of a community center than anything. And then the third one is, um, this family, this very small family, they decide they're going to start a restaurant. The owner names the restaurant after his wife because he loves her so much. And oh. they just have a child. And then they're like, wait a minute. How do we run a restaurant while <laughs> having a family uh, yeah. while maintaining the, the cultural heritage that we're trying to put inside the restaurant? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's important and significant about both or all three of these is that each one has a different um like culture that they want to they want to show chicago is loud and and nightlife and like you know um art and everything about chicago then the family one is like really small hometown iowa city you know and then the third one's like how do we keep our our um mexican culture alive yeah in somewhere as I don't want to uh, say, but somewhere as not Mexico as like the top of Arizona or whatever the case yeah. may be. Um, so it was a little bit long, but it really got me in the feels mm. because I initially thought it was going to be about like them making different dishes, right? Spinning plates. Right. Which, by the way, fun fact is like a really typical circus trick. You know, when you go yes, to like, yes. they have these long sticks and mm-hmm. they balance something flat on yeah, them. Yeah. Um, actually, that came from Chinese culture. So um, there's a lot of um, of these like ancient paintings and and you know from way back empires way way back where they show dancers and performers spinning plates or spinning bowls or something like that yeah Mm. it's apparently something to do with concentration and the longer you let it go the healthier your life will be etc okay so um yeah so i i love this documentary it was really really good i i enjoyed the idea that um each each distinguishable family slash restaurant had their own uh, I don't know, hardships, tough times, something like that. But at the end, despite them not knowing each other, they were all connected by this one idea of like giving food to the public, creating food, the idea of creating something to relieve something else, sadness, anxiety, yeah. whatever the case may be. Um, and, you know, actually through this, there was one quote that one of the family members had. They said, you know, I deal so much with anxiety and depression and sort of a lot of mental health struggles that the idea that if I can be creative and get that out helps me get through the day. So it was just like, whoa, hey, man, that's I, I feel you there. Yeah, <laughs> I usually just eat my feelings. Well, that's the thing, too. So do you know that food... Um, releases those like pleasure receptors in your mm-hmm. brain and releases serotonin, which most people equate to being happy and satisfied and fulfilled and all that fun stuff. Um, and that's why there are so many, um, I don't want to say references, but there are so many uh, issues where people will eat to compensate another feeling. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, that's something worth diving into. But anyways, um, I found this, believe it or not, for free on an app I hadn't heard before. It was called Snag Films. Oh, I think I've heard of it. Yeah, I had never seen it. It's all documentaries, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I was so in love. I was like, this is amazing. This is what I've wanted. Because, you know, on Apple TV, National Geographic, or even the History Channel, they try to do that. But the majority of their content is not available for free. Mm -hmm. You do have to pay for for a subscription, as it were. This had hundreds of documentaries available. Um, And some of them were... I mean, random, yes, but some of them were also like really um, in the times. I mean, they had uh, Richard Nixon um, uh, in documentary about his impeachment or, you know, whatever, and things like that. And by the way, we're not political, but that is definitely the sign of the times right now. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. I think <laughs> yeah. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. It is, yeah. And um, so I, I was really excited about that. Now, that is the only app slash streaming service right now that does have it for free. However, you can rent and buy it on YouTube and iTunes. It's only four ninety nine to buy on iTunes. So it's certainly worth um, uh, buying and storing because I think you'd watch it several times, you know. Um, let's see. Scores. IMDb gives it a 7.1 out of 10. Oh, that's good. Not bad, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it an 85%. Uh, Metacritic looks at a 65. I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. I actually watched it twice um, because uh, the first time I fell asleep, I'm not going (laughs) to lie, but I had just eaten pasta and I fell asleep. Wow, it ties right in. (laughs) And then I watched it again and thought, wow, I really want some Mexican food. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's an old saying. What? That, you know, an hour after you eat Chinese food, you're hungry again. Yeah. And an hour after you eat Mexican food, you wish you'd eaten Chinese food. So, (laughs) which by the way... Yeah. Brings me to my pick. Ooh. So since I was a, a little kid, a staple of my family's diet has, has been good old American Chop Chinese sweet. food. Yeah, oh, okay. China, yeah, like Chinese food. You know, of course, I didn't know at the time that what I considered Chinese food was, in fact, mostly American. So huh. now my first pick actually delves right into that topic. And it's a documentary called The Search for General So. Now, if you're a fan of American Chinese food, you've probably had the documentary's namesake dish. Yeah. Um, which is deep fried pieces of chicken uh, with a kind of a sweet sauce with ginger, garlic, mm-hmm. soy sauce, and other ingredients as well. It's found on almost every Chinese restaurant menu yeah. in the United States. There was a time when Chinese food was completely new to America. Chinese restaurant owners adapted dishes to American taste. But this one dish just stuck out. It's part of American tradition now. Americans embrace certain ideas about ethnic food. They make it their own. Ain't this ironic Chinese food has become comfort food? It replaced meatloaf and fried chicken. So who was General So exactly? And how did he invent a popular chicken dish? Well, he didn't really. Uh, (laughs) It was just named after him. But this documentary actually does go into the history of the actual General So, who lived during the Qing Dynasty and had no relationship to the actual dish whatsoever anyway. But uh, <laughs> So, yeah. But the fact, the dish itself has no real relationship with China either. Hmm? Uh, yeah, most people living in China have never heard of General So's <laughs> chicken. Its origins are actually from Taiwan. Okay. Uh, the dish was created by a Taiwanese chef who brought it to America when he emigrated to New York City during the 1970s. Mm-hmm. So his dish was a little bit different. Um, so he kind of had to tweak it a little bit for American tastes. So what did he add to it? Sugar. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Added sugar to make it sweeter. So 
Now, there's more, a lot more to American Chinese food than General So and the poultry dish that bears his name. The documentary does go into depth about the history of Chinese immigration into the United States and how some were, beginning in the late 19th century, able to open up their own restaurants in America. Now, of course, in order to reach a wider audience, these restaurants had to Americanize Sure. their native cuisine accordingly. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, the fortune cookie is American as well. There is no such thing as a kind of a fortune cookie in China. You're blowing my mind right now. No, it was invented, I think, in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so American Chinese food uh, is almost uniquely American in origin. Interesting. It is. And here's something that blew my mind when I, when I was doing some research. Today, there are over 50 thousand Chinese restaurants across the United States. Wow. Now, to put that in perspective, that's more than all the McDonald's, Wendy's, and Taco Bells combined. <gasps> no. Yes. Wow. You know what? That's actually true because you live in between like three of them. That's absolutely true. <laughs> oh, man. Don't yeah. I know it. Oof. <laughs> so, but uh, if you think about it, that pretty much makes Chinese American food more American than apple pie. Wow. So, the search for General So is really just a fascinating look into the struggles that many Chinese had in coming to America and how our universal love of good food helped many of those immigrants, at least in part, overcome those obstacles. Now, history tells us that we have not exactly had a stellar track record in welcoming newcomers. What? Yes, I know. Shocking, isn't it? (laughs) So, to me, any opportunity for people to better understand and empathize with the struggles immigrants face is a step forward. And this is a great way to do that. It really is an amazing story. Because uh, one of the things that I never realized is that when the first Chinese restaurants opened in America, these were opulent palaces. Okay. They were very well appointed, and the food was considered high class. Is that because they wanted to bring over what Americans represented as their culture? sort of draw people in well it was sort of that but originally it was mostly you know aimed at uh, at other chinese emigrants okay but when people started to discover the food uh it became a place where you could go to get high quality uh well-prepared food at a at a low price so it actually mm. made because uh if you know uh, in the 18th century late 18th century dining out was something only the wealthy really did sure yeah. And then, but this actually started making uh, restaurants more accessible to everybody, mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting because, you know, you don't realize, oh, restaurants, you know, what's the big deal? But they used to be just for wealthy people. Hmm. So, the search for General So. Let me get to the scores. Oh, yes. 6.9 out of 10 on the Internet Movie Database Not and, bad. yeah, and a whopping 95% on wow. Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Wow. It's so interesting. If you want to see it, it is available to rent for $3.99 hmm. on iTunes, or you can get the combo special. But, <laughs> no, 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 I'm just getting there. So, yeah, that's my first pick. Really interesting stuff. If you like that kind of thing, I highly recommend it. Very cool. Yeah. I'm actually, I mean, those scores are pretty good, too. Um, okay, so for my second pick, I mean, it's actually kind of a few things that I'd like to mention because they were just, it was just so fun going through them and I want to make sure people get to them. So these are all found on YouTube. They're all YouTube channels. 
And the first one is the U.S. National Archives. Now, you probably think, well, what do you, <laughs> what's that all about? But I will tell you, they have so much um, infomercials, um, uh, tutorial videos, um, so many cool things from like literally decades past that you think, okay, this might be interesting. And my favorite ones are the ones that deal with the food. Hmm. So... Um, especially like the 1950s genre oh, yeah. era um and so they that was sort of like the era i get where people wanted to modernize everything while oh, yeah. we were living there and and they wanted space and time saving equipment yep. so um one of these videos that uh, we'll try and reference in our podcast notes is um how the modern American wife pre prepares and cooks dinner for the welcoming husband as he comes home. I mean, it, listen, it wasn't short of misogynistic, but <laughs> it, it, it is so interesting. I liked how the, the ovens were designed specifically to uh, house like a 10 pound roast and like the way that the convections were all built in order to get the perfect crust on whatever, or how they had pull out drawers for flour, for sugar and everything. And then like a little, um, what do you call those tables and beds? Murphy beds. Murphy like beds. Murphy yeah. tables yeah. that came down yeah, so they yeah, could, yeah. they could be on their phone talking to their, their friend gal pal over here while making bread. Like <laughs> it, it's just, it's so good. And if you want to feel like that um, American pathos kind of thing mm. you need to check out the u.s national archives um youtube channel very um, interesting another one would be the british pathé channel oh yeah yes i've seen yep, those those yep. are great so they have tons of them i think one of their most popular ones got like many many millions of videos is how um women made makeup like powdered makeup for their face um and it involves someone taking measured spoonfuls of different colored powders mixing them in front of the the person and then using a really really barbaric and archaic type of pressure cooker as it were to push the powder down and, and sort of make it really tough that, you know so they could put it in a compact basically yeah. um but they also do this really cool series on chocolate and ah. it's about how they made and i guess england was really really famous for like sweets chocolates that kind of thing you start with a sugar solution that is so strong it nearly turns to crystal then you start pouring in oodles of some rare liqueur because you're making really unique liqueur chocolates see how it's done There's a hot, succulent toddy, the heart of a magical chocolate that is solid outside and inside, liquid and sweet. And there's one episode where this gentleman, who's a world-famous cake decorator, is literally up on a trapeze kind of threshold thing, and he is decorating by hand a, I think it was a 10 by 14 foot cake. Not even joking. I'm not even joking right now. That's a big cake. It's a big cake. Um, and it, again, it centers around older videos, and they're just really cool to kind of get a glimpse of, of the past without thinking, all right, this, I, I don't want this, but I want to research it. Yeah. <laughs> and then no, that's cool. My favorite, favorite all-time YouTube channel, I mean, I'm, I, I wish I could speak more about this, is the James Townsend and Son channel. So what they do is they... Um, specifically literally deal only in early colonial american history ah. so 17th and 18th and 19th century americans and how they how they basically made food um they reference like really really old cookbooks really old recipes they showcase everything that they do they talk about what modern
time life was like. Um, they have a lot of videos on what um, revolutionary soldiers would carry with them to then cook and like what a campsite might look like. And it's just so cool. One of my favorite videos is when they made a pot roast in a Dutch oven outside cooking over like open coals and Ooh. stuff. Really, really cool. Oh, they have this thing called mushroom ketchup. Oh, you got to try it. It's almost like Worcestershire sauce, really? but like not really. Mm. Um, I love that channel. They they are so good at answering comments too. I mean, I th I think like they really love interacting with people. People who like myself are history nerds and love that era. Yeah. And want to be involved in, in the the making of it. So um, those are three channels that we will link for you in our notes. And you have to check them out. They're so fun. And you could get lost for hours watching Very these cool. videos. Yeah. And I think YouTube is a great place to find these like random videos that, you know, wouldn't exist on like an Amazon Prime account. Right. Exactly. You know? yep. And then you get kind of drawn in. So those are my like second, third and fourth picks. <laughs> for you that's cool though and we're definitely gonna list them out and we're gonna have some links to those um youtube yeah. channels oh check them out and uh tell them that we send you yeah look who's breaking the rules yeah. very nice <laughs> i like it i like it thank you yeah so of course i'm gonna do the same thing <clears throat> <laughs> i cannot let an episode go without going completely <sighs> off the rails and doing my own damn thing so i'm sure you will agree with me though when i say this is that if there's one thing americans love more than food. Baseball. No. Okay. Although hot dogs go along with that. Yeah, yeah. Hot dogs, stale beer, you know, the usual <laughs> thing. But the one thing that Americans really do love is a food fad. Okay. We love our food fads, whether it's 70s had fondue. Oh, yeah. 80s yeah, yeah. had kind of chocolate lava cake. When was the Jello thing? Jello's kind of been around. It kind of started like when you were talking about the 50s. Yeah. Where they put like random things inside Jello that doesn't belong in Jello. Well, the '70s was really kind of part of that too. Where they would put like like hot dogs in it, and oh, why? you know, like uh, they would do like savory Jellos. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, really, <laughs> I draw the line at like pineapple or fruit. I mean, if you try to put a vegetable in yeah. Jello, I'm going to throw it at you, yeah. <laughs> and it like, will bounce what's off. Ambrosia, tell me what the hell Ambrosia is. So ambrosia is kind of like a. It's one of my favorite things, by the way. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it was like a staple. Like during the seventies, it was like on every salad bar. Oh wow! Um, but it's basically kind of a it's a it's a Jello thing. It's got uh, usually it's got like grapes and pineapple and whipped cream and little mini marshmallows, maybe uh, cherries or something. It's basically like uh, if you take like a fruit cup and mix it with whipped cream and Jello. Ew! And then you just let it set, and then you just spoon it in your mouth, and you have a great life after that. <laughs> So, yeah. Now, uh, my, my wife makes it occasionally for me because, okay, you know, okay. I'm... I might have to try that because I just... I, I don't there's nothing bad in it. There's nothing bad in it. It's right, all but, good stuff. Right. But sometimes when you put good things together, they don't come out very well. Mm. For example, ketchup and mayo or Coke and milk. Ketchup and mayo? Yeah. You don't like that? No. Really? What no. about ketchup and mustard together? I do that every day. Okay. I love spicy things. All right. What about ketchup and ranch? I mean, everything's good with ranch. Name something that ranch can't be good with. Uh, raisins. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. No, well, uh, we just uh, derailed this whole thing, didn't we? So, but anyway, where was I? Oh, yes, food fads. Now, uh, Americans know how to take a popular food fad and run it right into the ground. That's what we do. We take everything to eleven. You know, that's the American way, pretty much. So when I was uh, a wee lad in, in the 1980s, 
one food fad that I remember was the sort of the explosion of low-fat foods. Mm. Everything had a low-fat version to it. Even foods that never had fat to begin with were touting that they were low-fat. <laughs> It's like, well, you you, ne you never had fat. In it. Why are you putting low fat on the box? Well, just to remind you, of course. Uh, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you, Food Industrial Complex. We really appreciate it. So people were always searching for like the perfect low fat food. As it turned out, they turned to carbs and refined <laughs> sugars, which made everything worse. So nice. thanks. Yeah, we went once again, we went overboard in the opposite direction. Ah, <sighs> fructose. Uh, but that's... That's not what we're here to talk about, though. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about my second pick this week. It's called The Stuff. The stuff, the taste that makes you hungry for more. The stuff. Taste that delivers. Enough is never enough. Enough is never enough. And we're back. Thanks for that. What? So what is, okay, so what is the stuff? Is it right. marshmallow fluff or something? Kind of. It's a thick, white, gooey substance that <laughs> bubbles up from the ground, tastes great, has no fat, no calories, and it's sugar-free. It is also the title of my second pick. It's called The Stuff. It's from 1985. It's a movie. Yeah. It's kind of a horror movie. Oh, yeah. Sort of. But it's it's more of a uh, funny, funny movie. It's comedy, really. Uh, there's only really one problem with the, the stuff itself. After you eat it, it starts eating you. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the stuff is kind of a cross between yogurt and marshmallow fluff. Okay. Uh, you New Englanders know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Marshmallow fluff. Who does not love marshmallow fluff on their peanut butter sandwiches? Uh, I don't like peanut butter. Oh, that's right, too. Yeah, you're weird. Yeah, I am weird. I, I can't stand it. Uh, so this becomes, in the movie, the stuff becomes the latest food fad with everyone eating gobs and gobs of it. It becomes this huge thing. Everybody's got to get their hands on the stuff. But how do they eat it? They just eat it. They just eat it right out of a. It's like a like oh. an ice cream container. So you don't put anything with it, or just oh. nope. It's just bought. It, they they they. This company takes it out of the ground, puts it in a container, and sells it. This is wrong on so many levels. It is wrong in so many levels. And who is the most angry about the stuff? The president. No. The food. The FDA. No. <laughs> the junk food industry. Oh. This thing is literally eating into their profits. So what they do is they hire this guy who is a former FBI agent turned industrial saboteur uh, played by Michael Moriarty. Oh, okay. He, he tries to find out what the stuff is all about. Meanwhile, this young boy notices something very strange about the stuff. It's alive. It's moving. It's moving on its own. It's alive. <laughs> so the kid joins forces with the saboteur guy mm -hmm. and they are joined by a dessert mogul uh his name is chocolate chip charlie <laughs> and he's played by original snl cast member garrett morris and together they discover the true nature of the stuff uh -oh. and they try to destroy it yeah and this is a really fun kind of grungy <laughs> low budget independent movie that is as you could tell from the clip more interested in satirizing the world of fast food marketing 
yeah. than actually scaring anyone. Right, right, right. So it's got a little message there. And it's got some pretty gross special effects, too. Because this <laughs> stuff is alive. It's like the blob. You know, it it takes you over. It, like, controls you. When it's done with you, it leaves you like this husk. Ooh. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's 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 <clears throat> always done with kind of this pitch black sense of humor. Got it. Which I which appeals to me to no end. Now the movie was written and directed by Larry Cohen. Now he passed away in 2019, but he also wrote and directed the classic 70s horror film It's Alive, oh. which is about a mutant killer infant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He also wrote the awesome Maniac Cop movies. If you're a horror fan, you know what uh, those movies are all about. Maniac Cop. Uh, he also wrote the Colin Farrell movie Phone Booth. Oh, okay. And the Kim Basinger film Cellular. Never saw that one. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and they remade that like a few years after that too, which was weird. But <laughs> he always tried to include uh, some kind of social commentary to go along with his projects and always had uh, kind of a weird sense of humor. Mm. Um, I remember one of his early, early films was a movie called God Told Me To. And it was this sort of uh, kind of mystery thriller where all these there were these people that were committing these murders, like random people were killing. Hmm. And every time someone asked them why they did it, they would just say, God told me to. That's creepy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he always had some kind of cool like uh, hook yeah. for his movies. Uh, there was another one called The Ambulance that he did in the 80s with, <laughs> uh, or like late 80s, early 90s with Eric Roberts. Uh, which was, he was, and this was kind of an interesting, if you're a comic book fan, you should check this movie out because uh, The Ambulance starred Eric Roberts as a comic book uh, artist. Okay. And it had, and it took place, some of the some of it took place at the Marvel Comics offices at the time. Ooh. So you got to see, so Stan Lee was in it and a lot of the artists and writers from that time nice. were in it. And it was basically about uh, an ambulance that was like a rogue ambulance. So it was the original Stan Lee cameo. Yeah, okay. basically. So it was, yeah, so it was about this rogue ambulance that was picking up, that was intercepting 911 calls, picking up people and taking them to a place where their organs were harvested. Wow, that's like the kit car, but gone way wrong. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, so he always had some kind of cool gimmick when it came to uh, his movies. So um, if you get a chance to check out The Stuff, it's a fun uh, popcorn flick, but don't eat ice cream when you're watching it. Ugh. It'll freak you out like nobody's Ugh. business. So the stuff, that's my recommendation, my second pick. So let's let's hear what the scores are. Ooh. 5.9 uh, out of 10. Okay, yeah. And 69% on Higher than what I thought. Tomatoes, yes. Okay. okay. So it is available on Amazon Prime Video if you're a subscriber and on Tubi for free. Love Tubi. Uh, it's also a $2.99 rental on voodoo as well Ooh. so yeah i uh you know i've always had an, an affinity for those kind of weird little under the radar yeah kind of films and the stuff is definitely one of them but it's really it's really well done it's like those movies that make you think they've got some you know like zootopia that has yeah. an underlying theme right uh but that's scary though because the food one has always made me nervous like because what are you eating if you're not making it yourself you don't really know exactly you know Ooh. exactly i have recently come to uh embrace the impossible burger or the impossible <sighs> that impossible meat but which one? Oh, oh, so not the one at, at burger king just like no the idea no just of like the tvp burger well i've had i've had some examples of it i haven't had the burger king one but mm. uh what i i've had um some meals yeah like both outside and i've made chili with it 
I remember you had one at Disneyland too, or Disney World, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I tried yeah, it, and it was delicious. Yeah. And then I got some, and I made uh, I made a, a nice Texas chili, and it was well, not Texas chili, but chili, and it was delicious. And the texture didn't throw you off or nope, anything? Nope. It, I would not have, I don't think I would have known if nobody, if I didn't know, like, because I made it. Wow. But uh, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, for me, it's like, okay, I don't, you know, I can accept this as a substitute. And that kind of blows my mind a little bit because right. I, you know, I've never thought in a million years that, oh, well, what is this stuff? Right. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to use that instead of a burger. Are you kidding me? But I, <laughs> Uh, my eyes have been kind of open to the possibility. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's something, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think if you think about the impact, too, that the uh, animal meat industry has on the environment, yeah. yep. it, it, it's something that, you know, we should take a serious look at. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, you know, there are there are humane ways to do things and there mm -hmm. are inhumane ways to do yeah. things. And like when I got a duck for Easter when I was six years old and my mom said it had to go live on the farm and my uncle actually took it out back and yeah. That explains so much. <laughs> yeah. They got me ducks for Easter one year. Oh, but they lived in my bathtub. It was so cool. Is that true? No, it's oh, 100% true. Yeah. Really? I, I think I only had them for maybe a month because they grew too fast. But there was a yellow one and a black one. And my mom let them live in a box for about, I don't know, six hours before they started chirping so much and made her upset. Then they lived in my bathroom, which I had when I was a kid, apparently, in my in, like off, off my bedroom. And they lived in my tub. And it was the coolest thing ever. And then I remember like... Apparently, they had to go back on the farm to live with their family. They were only, we were only babysitting them or duck sitting them. Ah. Yeah. I'm fairly certain they maybe have crossed, like crossed our table at some point. But did, did they have names? Um, The black one was definitely named Smokey. I think the yellow one might have been, it was weird because I think it was like a random animal name, but it wasn't duck. It might have been like chicky or something <laughs> I, I don't know but like definitely we had smoky the duck oh man so smoky the duck yeah interesting wow yeah i had no idea yeah i had pet ducks yeah my goodness well now mm. that everybody's depressed <laughs> let's <Okay>. recap our picks <laughs> okay so my first pick was spinning plates a documentary about three restaurants um made in 2012 you can find it for free on the snag films application and then i listed a bunch of youtube channels which we'll have links to um and uh yeah great yeah very cool i like it thank you now for me i had the search for general so which is available to rent on the itunes and of course the stuff yeah which is on tubi <laughs> so for gross. free so and gross. amazon prime if you are a subscriber so that's it. That's it. This I'm was hungry. A good episode. Me too. <laughs> I am really. It, wasn't your wife making some food? Yeah, she's making. Tacos. She's made it's taco. Uh, taco. What Friday? I don't know what that makes sense. Ooh. That doesn't make any sense no. to me. I could have tacos but every day though. I oh. I love tacos. I love a good taco. So you uh, uh soft shell or hard shell taco? Um, probably both. Yeah. Could, yeah. Okay. Probably both. It really just depends on the day. Yeah, I, think, I love those yeah. little scoops too from Tostito. I would just make taco mix and then scoop them like that. I know it's a thing. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> there is nothing wrong I with that. I also make my own taco seasoning and fajita seasoning, by the way. Yes, because I got this like really toasty, nutty ground cumin from uh, an Indian uh, food shop, and oh, so good! Wow. Yeah. 
Just it layers. Was expensive. You've got layers. I know. Seven. I'm like an onion. Layers. <laughs> like a dip. <laughs> like a dip. I'm really hungry. I know, me too. I have not eaten my dinner yet. Oh, okay. Uh, I get cranky. I get hangry. <laughs> I get hangry when I don't eat my dinner. Who, who would you be if you needed a Snickers? Well, first of all, it's got peanut butter in it. I, I'm so I'm not. I'll, I'll go with the Milky Way. But yeah, uh, boy, that's a that's a tough one. You'd be better off asking my wife that question. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. I that's think just I would weird. be uh, Bill Belichick. Really? Yeah, because I would be just shouting at everybody. Wow. Yeah, just shouting at everybody. <laughs> that's what he does. It is kind of what he does, isn't it? Yeah. He doesn't seem like a fun person. Yeah. But, you know, he gets results usually. <laughs> Not this season, but usually. Uh, yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. So, on our next dive. Oh, yes. So, another episode of the Deep Dive Microcast. <laughs> so, the world of streaming media, as we talk about, is expanding yet again. Expand. Did I say expanding yet again? I don't, expand. It's expanding yet again, like the Spanx that I wear. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's a tough oh, business trying to keep all like this intact. Spanx. Spanx. Manx. Man Spanx. <laughs> Which sounds really bad. Never sounds say like, that again. It sounds like one of those apps, <laughs> like a dating app of some kind. Man Spanx? No, I can't really. That's just, this is a family show. Oh, man. This is terrible. <laughs> anyway, uh, so they have, uh, there's been an announcement. A new streaming service is Ooh. going to be arriving soon, and it's called Peacock. Okay. From NBC Comcast. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So what's that all about and how much does it cost and can I get every episode of Night Rider? The important questions <laughs> we are going to tell you about on next week's Deep Dive Microcast. Yes. Cool. Now, as we said earlier, be sure to visit our website at... TheDeepDivePodcast.com. Dot com. We have a merch store. We do. We have a merch store. Get Absolutely. T-shirt and yeah. show your love and also be comfortable. It's not even itchy. Absolutely. Really nice. It is very, really, really nice. And and also thank you to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. We love all you guys. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. (laughs) I said that twice, but not really. (laughs) You can find links to our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feeds on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. If you like us, please subscribe. All clips are intended for educational use only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. Our theme music was produced by Ryan Blaney and Echo Craft. Thanks for listening. The Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Media.